That's into right field. Long run for Pilar. And Pilar all out into foul territory to make the play. Bogarts with a drive out to right field. Judges back on it, and that one's gone. Against all odds, here's a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up. He caught it. He caught the ball. He took it back. And I will keep on waiting for a better day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pesky Poll Podcast episode 58. How you guys doing today? Today I have an insanely special episode for you guys where I not only have one, but two guests. One definitely more important than the other. Right now you're seeing no, not even close. Right now you're seeing with me the less important guest, Adam. Reintroduce yourself to the people. Don't listen to the fake news, Robert. I'm the important one. It's <laughs> y'all, fake news. Y'all already I'm the major know. leaguer. I'm the pro. I'm the pro baseball player. Y'all already know Adam. You've seen him on the episode on the episode like three or four times now. He's an awesome guy. He's going to help me with the interview today because I promised it last episode and somehow I came through on my promise. Last episode, I said I would get Zach Bryant on the show and I reached out to him and the dude was kind enough to, to hop on tonight and let us talk some stuff about him, let you guys get to know the new guy we traded. Because if you guys don't remember, let me take you way, 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 way back. We had a guy named Josh Sosich. You remember Josh Sosich, right? We all hated him. Right, Adam? Wasn't our favorite. Adam barely even remembers him. I drank barely away the pain. I drank away the pain of Josh Sosich, as is most of you guys. I know if you're watching the YouTube premiere with me tomorrow night, you all drank away the pain too. But this is the kid we got back. We all got clickbaited saying, oh, Bryant to the Red Sox. Bryant to the Red Sox. This is the Bryant, but y'all will see. This kid ain't so bad. All right, we haven't done the interview yet, but we'll see you guys afterwards. And probably Adam won't be here. I'll probably be recording the rest afterward, just going over some slight Red Sox news, start talking about spring training. Real quick, Adam, what have you seen from – have you seen any spring training games so far? I have not. I, I you know, I go by – so do you remember that one time that uh, Will Farrell a few years ago was the third base coach? Yes. And he put out a sign. He says, remember, these games don't count. I live by those rules. Mm-hmm. I go, you know what? I don't, I'll, I'll check in on them here and there just to see how they look. But overall, like, you, you have to look at it. You have to take mo- most of these games with a grain of salt because they're really just, it's really just a tune-up to the regular season. Their goal isn't to win games. Their goal is to just get themselves ready for the regular season. So mm-hmm. I guess my message to anybody who's watching and Feeling, uh, feeling frustrated, probably justifiably so, towards this Red Sox team during spring training. Just take a step back, take a deep breath. Remember, these are exhibition games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's, that's the way I've always looked at it. But we haven't necessarily been doing too, too bad so far. We got a one and two record, but I, I don't care about the record. I don't care about how many runs we let up. I just care about how people, how specific people are doing. You know, Kike Hernandez. Call a mercy rule because Garrett Richards was so bad. We don't want to talk about that, okay? <laughs> I think I think they lost that game eight to five. 
All right, they won today nine to three versus the race. So I'll take it. I'll take I will it. take that. I mean, some guys are showing out, right? Um, Kike Hernandez just hit his first homer today. Yeah, new signing got some good power. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, he's so. a nice little utility guy. I like mm-hmm. him. So with that being said, let's not mm-hmm. waste the people's time anymore. Make sure if you're on YouTube, you subscribe, follow, turn on those post notifications so you can see us every time. We go live, or I go live, Adam sometimes shows up, and whatever guest I may have, professional athlete or not, Spotify and iTunes, gang, I never forget about you guys. How you guys doing today? Make sure you hit that follow button so you can see every time I get the privilege to interview a professional or minor league baseball player, because for me, it's always the most fun thing to do, to get to talk to these players, see their stories about how they made it into the league. With that being said... Nothing else to say, Adam. You got anything else to say to the people before we get right into it? Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and okay. We were just listening to ACDC before before we hit the record. Yeah, so we're amped. We're amped for this. <laughs> we are ready for this pro foot. Bring them up. Bring them on. Let's go. All right. With that being we'll said, start let's... tossing a few innings. For... We're gonna. Ugh. All right. Let's not waste the people's time anymore. Let's get right into it. All right, joining us today, you guys wanted it. I promised it on the last episode. He was luck. He was fortunate. I was fortunate enough for him to respond to my DM. Fifteenth round pick in 2019 by the Cubs. Did I get that right? Yeah. Fifteenth yep. round, Zach Bryant. How you doing today, man? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? We're not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. Like I said to the people already, we got Adam here also to help me out with this. Without further ado. Let's get right into the first question. We talked a little bit off camera, but I want to just say it again for the recording. What was your favorite team growing up, and how did you get to become a fan of them? Uh, growing up, man, I was a diehard Red Sox fan. Um, it all started because the, the first game I watched was a Red Sox game, you know, watching uh, Dustin Pedroia, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, all those guys. You know, I mean, it was impossible not to love that team. Um so, yeah, it all started there. Watched the first game, and it was those guys. Fell in love with it. Fell in love with Fenway. And then back then, I think I was like six years old. So I had an Xbox and MVP Baseball 2004, the the original, the best baseball game there ever was. Um, mm-hmm. So playing that, I'd always play as the Red Sox. And, uh, and they had this song, Tessie, by the Dropkick Murphys playing. So, um, you know, I fell in love with the song. And then, I, you know, six years old, littlest things amuse you. Uh, so, yeah, I just – it all started there. Always played as the Red Sox. Always wanted to watch the Red Sox. Parents started be, started buying me Red Sox stuff for Christmas. And it was – I mean, from there it was set in stone, man. And then literally I think when I was 10 and my parents got me my first phone when I was going to middle school or something like that, they uh, they preloaded the, the ringtone on the phone to be Tessie. <laughs> So yeah, just just to show how how serious I am about that. I'm not just saying that for the for the sake of Red Sox Nation. I really was a, a diehard Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Dude, that is awesome. Right, and just just so you know, we may or may not have been rocking to a little bit of ACDC before we started this interview, but we we got to <laughs> get amped up. <laughs> Man, we especially Dropkick Murphys. All right, if if you love them, you already a Red Sox fan in our books. All right. I had to throw that in there, man, you know, to, to show that I'm not just fronting mm-hmm. for the sake of uh, Red Sox Nation saying I was a yeah. fan. I was no fake fan. I was I was Red Sox through and through. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So Zach, grow, so growing up and being a fan of the Red Sox, did you ever have any, uh, any players in particular who you were a fan of? Any favorite players on that team? Or any singular player in particular? Gotta go David Ortiz. Uh, all-time goat, man. Just his, his postseason heroics are just unparalleled, man. Sounds like it's something out of a movie or out of a book. Um, David Ortiz, for sure. But before that, it was Dustin Pedroia. Uh, just because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the level of heart that he played with, man, just balls to the wall every single game. It's just – it's hard not to love watching that, you know. And mm-hmm. he, plus, he was a little guy that still mashed home runs. So, I mean – it, it was it, – I loved watching him play. And then, uh, yeah, as I got older, I started really liking David Ortiz a lot, more than Dustin Pedroia, really. But uh, so he, he took the number one spot on my ranking for <laughs> for Red nice. Sox guys that I like. Yeah, so you see them both go. Yes. Yeah, usually for, um, for pitchers, we always see, like, them say another pitcher that they always look up to. I'm surprised that you didn't say a pitcher. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, too, back then growing up, I mean, I didn't really understand fully the pitching side of things. And I, I didn't really fully understand that until I got older. And that's when I really started appreciating watching, you know, the, the big names in pitching pitch. Um, back then, you know, when you're a young guy, you just want to watch home runs and, and sick plays in the infield. So those were, those were my guys. Uh, if I had to pick a pitcher, I know his uh, Red Sox career was kind of short-lived, but Kimbrel. Hey, hey, his, his Sox days were amazing. His Cubs days, we won't talk about. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the way. That's the way I look at Craig Kimbrel. I, I love the guy. Yeah, but <laughs> next question I got for you is: so throughout your career in high school and even before, when did you really figure out you wanted to pursue baseball, play ball in college, and when did you really figure out that pitching was where you wanted to be? I would say it was definitely in high school. Uh, well, all my life I knew that I wanted to play baseball long-term. Um, a lot of, you know, little leaguers say they want to play in, in the big leagues and all that. But uh, once I get a little older, that the love, the passion for the game kind of fizzles out. And that definitely wasn't the case for me. Um, I just kind of always, always loved it. And then when I knew pitching was the route was, was high school. And, you know, guys started throwing a little bit harder. They start actually getting a little bit better off speed. Hitting gets harder just in general. So um, there was a very clear difference in my my skill level between pitching and hitting. So um, I think it was sophomore year uh, is when I officially became a, a PO. I, I had a couple at bats junior year, didn't do too bad, but um, just the the love and the drive for it wasn't there like it was for pitching at that point. Uh, but yeah, it, it was around sophomore year in high school. Gotcha. Gotcha. There you go. So how was your time? So Zach, how was your time in community college? And another question, uh, which did you enjoy more Daytona beach or Jacksonville university? My time in, uh, my time in junior college was honestly the most important time in my life. It was a point where, so in high school, I wasn't very heavily recruited. Uh, I had a bit of a weight problem. I was kind of overweight. I was sitting around 240 and not much muscle to back it up. So just, you know, a soft 240 isn't a very good look. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, fast forward, I go to Daytona State. It was my only offer out of high school. I go there. 
I, I lost a little bit of weight going into freshman year, got around 225-ish, put it all right back on. And then um, – Freshman 15? Pretty much, yeah, literally. <laughs> all been through it. <laughs> put, put it all right back on. We've all and been then, uh, you know, the coach, he was – it was like a tough love kind of situation. And he, he told me exactly what I needed to hear and um, kind of lit a fire under me. And, uh, you know, from there I fell in love with the gym, learned how to eat right, been been uh, on that kick ever since. Um, but yeah, no, so that's why that was the most important time in my career because I don't think if I wouldn't have gone there and if I didn't hear what I needed to hear, I don't think I would have played past junior college. Um, me losing the weight and me packing on the muscle like I did was a game changer. I went from like a high, high 80s guy to a low 90s guy, um, just just like that. From freshman fall to spring, I made that big jump just from getting stronger. And then freshman year to sophomore year was an even bigger jump. Um, I went from topping out low 90s to sitting low 90s at that point. So junior college was a definite like career pivotal point for me. Now, which one did I enjoy more? Jacksonville. Just because the environment there was just – I loved it. It was a big-time family environment, dude. Like, the the head coach there, and he – the way he managed the team was – I've never played for a team that felt more like a family, like close-knit. And plus, two, I feel like what kind of um, fueled that a little bit was the fact that it was a private school. So, it's a little bit smaller. So, like, every single one of your classes, you're going to have some baseball players in. Mm-hmm. And um, – but, yeah, I definitely enjoyed Jacksonville a lot more just because uh, – not that I didn't enjoy Daytona State, I did. But Jacksonville was just – the environment was incredible. I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I, I 100% get that because for me and Adam, we both go to the same school up in southern Massachusetts. There's about less than 1,200 kids that go to this school. So it is a very, very close-knit school. So we okay. we 100% get Get that. Um, going off of that, what was your favorite time in college ball? Do you have like a specific favorite moment throughout your time in college? Uh, favorite moment was pitching against Florida. Um, I came in when I was when I was with Jacksonville. I came in in a bit of a tight situation. Um, bases loaded. I think we had the lead. I don't think we ended up winning the game, but I think we had the lead. Bases loaded, no outs. They put me in and came in and struck out the side. Which was huge to me because, I mean, my dad was a big Gators fan. My grandpa was a big Gators fan. So, I mean, you know, it's a big old Gators family, basically. So, coming in against them and doing what I did against them and such the the rich history, you know, Florida baseball has, uh, coming in and doing that was just – that was awesome to me. I love that. That was That's probably – that definitely is my favorite moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got oh, – damn, I can't even imagine having to sit there and come in bases loaded against a top school like that. <laughs> Especially as a mid-major. Well, I was, yeah. Dude, I was, I'll tell you what, man. I was locked in. I don't know if the video is somewhere out there on Twitter. Um, I got to find it now. <laughs> <laughs> when I struck out the last dude, I was like tunnel vision. I was locked in. I was freaking trucking back to the dugout. Everyone's like, yeah, good job <laughs> trying to give me knuckles. And I'm like, I am so locked in, so fired up. I was – drilling their hands i go back and i watch the video after i'm like dude my bad <laughs> i mean literally punch you <laughs> but i was so fired up man that was that was incredible 
So I was gonna I was gonna get into this later, but so those like points of pressure like that don't really get to you that much. No, I don't. Like I I I feel like I thrive off pressure. Like it doesn't it doesn't get me too worked up to where I get like nervous. I definitely play up to those big moments, um, but I never get like nervous if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I get amped up. I get you know, but it kind of just makes me more focused if that makes sense. I don't, I, get I don't ever get nervous. It never gets too big for me. I just, the bigger the situation, the more locked in I am, the more like amped up I am. Mm-hmm. And hey, that's what we're looking for. We need someone to come in <laughs> in the bottom of the eighth inning at Fenway. All right. That place. <laughs> good energy. I like no it. No mercy there. <laughs> that's the goal, man. <laughs> so transitioning from your college days to uh, draft day. Um, so everybody has a different draft day story. Um, so tell us about your draft day. Uh, did you go, did you fall around where you thought you would or so what were your expectations on that day? Well, I went into the draft without an agent, so I didn't have much. Um, I had a little bit of guidance, but I didn't have like anyone to deal with, you know, you know, calling the scouts for me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you can imagine, I was very, very stressful. Um, uh, I was at home alone. It was on my birthday. The day I got drafted it was my birthday. So I was at home alone on my birthday and um, on and off the phone, calling different people, having different different uh, teams call me and whatnot. And then, you know, finally, the it wasn't I – knew, I knew about where I was going to get drafted. I knew that day three was my day. And, um, you know, like what numbers I was looking at and whatnot. So it was more just a num- like a matter of which team called first, pretty much, uh, and ended up being the Cubs. And then, yeah, so then they called and they said, hey, man, you watching the TV? And I was like, sure am. <laughs> sure enough, my name pops up. And, you know, it was very extremely special moment. You know, I, I wish I was the, I wish I had more family or friends there to experience that with me but it was it was awesome mm-hmm. shortly after my parents did get home it didn't take too long but they, they missed it by just a little bit damn but i'm i'm gonna take i'm gonna take a little guess here that was probably the best birthday present you've received <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah by a long shot <laughs> man i can't and what birthday was that your 20th or 21st birthday uh it's bad i have to think about that it was my 21st it, oh okay Okay, so so I'm guessing that was a fun night after that. It was Um, a very fun night, yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing we may have had our first bar visit after that one. Yeah, no, it was a a very, very fun night, for sure. And I've asked asked this to people before because I interviewed one guy. I think, I can't remember, but one, uh, another pitcher that I interviewed told me he went into draft day without an agent. Now, I know you get a bigger check after everything's all said and done, but you think it was easier or harder for you to go through that whole process with you making these decisions and not an agent? See, the way it was explained to me was um, one of the, one of the coaches at JU was, was basically like, listen, dude, I know you know this, but you're not a top five round guy. Um, Cause if you were, you'd know it by now. And if you were, I would recommend getting an agent because it's more to handle. It's more negotiating, you know, all that stuff. But because you're looking at, you know, late day two, early day three, is it all that necessary? Not really. So, um, 
so yeah, I, it was, it was pretty stressful just, just handling all that and, um, you know, talking to the different scouts, but in the end, I think, like you said, uh, if you were to have an agent, they would take a percentage and, um, I do have an agent now, love them, great guys. And they actually, they actually helped me out a little bit, uh, on draft day because I talked to them beforehand and, um, and they were like, well, Hey, listen, man, you know, if you ever need any help with, with all this, anything like with this process on or off the record, give us a call. We'd love to help. So I needed, so I needed someone to talk to, ask some questions and on draft day, I called them and, you know, they helped me out a little bit. Um, but yeah, the draft day was, is definitely something without an agent. Very, <laughs> it's supposed to be an extremely special day, which it was, but a lot of stress involved. I bet. I bet that does not, Trust me, coming from somebody who never played past high school baseball, that seems like the most, the greatest and same time, the most stressful day of your life. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's the best way to put it. The best slash most stressful day ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So you get drafted and you go from playing college ball at Jacksonville to end up going to, I believe I saw, was it either rookie ball or were you in Oregon playing single leg right after uh at first i went to rookie ball um pretty much all the guys with the cubs went straight to rookie ball except for like the the top five rounders um they well they went there but it was more so like throw a couple bullpens make sure your arm's right we're gonna send you to eugene Mm -hmm. everybody else it was um pretty much same thing get there throw a couple bullpens we'll put you on a roster and then you know based off how you do in rookie ball we'll decide if you want to move you up so then uh, I did pretty well. So then I got moved up to Oregon when I had, when we had like maybe a month, like two months left of the season. So I went up there and finished up the season up there. And, uh, and yeah, so Oregon was beautiful. Loved mm-hmm. it up there, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was looking up some numbers and most people experience that kind of first year slump from going from college to actually playing professionally minor leagues. You were the exact opposite of that from the numbers I see. Just just go in and casually average what like a one two ERA throughout your time in 2019. Just it's something casual, like that. It was a one casual two one two. You know, <laughs> nothing like. I know it was only a small sample size, but how did you really do that? Going from college to professional, not letting that change you, and even like really improving throughout that time. Well, the very first outing in rookie ball was terrible. I. Uh... I think I went in, I think I recorded like two thirds of an inning or something like that with like, seemed like a million walks. Um, I just, I was all over the place. I think I got a little too worked up just knowing that, you know, career debut. It's your first time out there. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, I, you know, I kind of settled down and uh, got back to who I am and figured it out from there and then back to the same old, you know, pitch to contact and let, let the hitters get themselves out, you know? So then I figured it out after that first outing. But after that, that was my mentality. Um, I didn't have the same, like, power behind the ball just because I went through a whole college season, went through a whole summer ball season before that. And before that was the whole junior college season. So I didn't, my arm never really had much of a break, so it was starting to get fatigued a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I started running out of, you know, basically I was just – the velo was slowing down a little bit. So I kind of switched into a throw strikes, let the hitters get themselves out mentality and then go for the strikeout when it, when it presents itself. Um, that was after that first outing, 
that's pretty much what I locked into. And it, it definitely worked. Because <laughs> right. I ended up with a pretty pretty decent numbers. Yeah, decent. Yeah. Like like I said, I, I went on and I looked at those numbers in the last episode. Because we we were talking about this before we had you on. We recorded an intro already. And the guy you got traded for back in July, August, guy's named Jaw Sosich. We hated Jaw Sosich. <laughs> All right. Mans came in here. We were so excited for him. Averaged like an eight ERA. Now I get it. I I'm lucky if I can hit if I can throw an eighty mile an hour fastball. I ain't got an arm. I ain't got nothing. So I ain't gonna critique him. But I was really excited when I look up, saw your number, saw who got traded back for him. You know, it, I think we got a good return on our investment of Josh Sosich. I well, I appreciate that. No, I didn't even I. I didn't even know who Josh Josh Sosich was. Adam didn't either, and he's a Red Sox fan, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who he was, and then uh, until until I got traded, so I looked up some of the details of who I was traded for, and uh, I mean, right then I was pretty shocked. I mean, me for a big leaguer, that was, you know, that was pretty wild to me. Um, but but yeah, no, I I didn't even know who he was before it. Um, yeah, no, it's like I said, it's exciting stuff. It, it, was, it was pretty mind blowing to me, one for one, me for him. It was, it was that was kind of wild. Mm-hmm. All right, um, you got the next one. Yeah, so um, twenty twenty was rough, tough year for all of us. Um, so not um, so not being able to play throughout twenty twenty. How um, how have you kept in shape throughout the? Uh, 2020 season despite not being able to uh play i kind of use this time off because it's pretty much an entire year um Mm -hmm. to focus on um mostly strength i spent a majority of the year just trying to get as strong as possible at that point it wasn't much of a weakness like my my strength wasn't my you know the lowest thing for me but um i knew there was definitely still some some room to grow so I spent a majority of it lifting, just trying to get as strong as physically possible. Spent a little time, uh, about five weeks, I went up to driveline because – so the summer before I was at JU, I was up to 97. And JU was up to 96. And then when I'm, you know, in Oregon, I'm topping out at like 93, 94. So I'm just trying to figure out what the heck's going on. I didn't know if it was fatigue. I didn't know if it was something mechanical or what. But um, I was just trying to figure it out. So I go to driveline. Uh, trained up there for five weeks and then took some time off and then uh, just now so I started ramping my arm back up again tweaked my back and then uh, tweaked my back started throwing again a couple weeks later and just now I'm starting to see the results of getting way stronger in way better shape I'm just now starting to see the results of that on the mound so it's, it's very exciting stuff but fortunately, you know, I live in Florida, so we didn't have to really have to deal with much of, you know, the gyms being closed mm-hmm. and all those yeah. places being closed. So I, I pretty much always had a gym accessible, even when, you know, they were supposed to be closed. I was able, I was still able to get lifts in. Um, so COVID really didn't affect me that much. It was more so just no baseball, which kind of sucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but I'm, I'm from Tennessee. I, I get, we, we didn't close down for nothing. We still had. Of course, we had our safety precautions and everything. We were closed down for a couple of weeks, but you know, 
we still had gyms open. We still had everything available. So, so us Southerners, we get we got it lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys were lucky. We I was good. stuck in Mass the whole time. <laughs> was was Mass pretty locked down? It, it was locked down, but not as bad as some other uh, some other states. We were, we had. I mean, we were open just to a capacity. So I mean, it was right. it, it was tolerable, but you know. I mean, still sucked. Hell, even <laughs> yeah. here, even here at college, right? We can't go up into our lounge with more than eight people. That's as many yeah. as we can have in a specific place. And the dorm right now is eight. Yeah, see, Robert's a CA in our uh, in our uh, college, so he actually has to enforce these rules. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jeez, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't fun, but it's see, being in Florida, right, and I want to ask you about this. So. How how personally did you like Florida? Because I'm assuming did you go? Um, are you back home in Florida right now? I am. Yeah, I'm in Port Orange. Oh, nice. Um, see, I lived in Florida for three, four years. I'm not gonna lie, I hated it. Way really? too, way too warm in the summer. All right. Um, you could you could play baseball twice a year, which I liked. You had your, you had spring and fall, but just the summers were brutal i don't know how you, i don't know how you put up with it well i mean you know you live in here your whole life you get kind of used to it. you said you're from tennessee right i've only lived there for that makes... about a year and a half now okay. I'm, I'm originally a main guy so polar opposite okay. yeah so the heat would definitely get to you but the longer you live here man you just get used to it but i, I love florida personally um that's like i was saying earlier i mean pitching in the cold is just never had to do it not looking mm-hmm. forward to it <laughs> You know, <laughs> but uh, I've I've been kind of spoiled here in Florida. It's never been a problem to to get warm. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I love it. I love it down here. Yeah. Well, let me ask this: What was the weather down there today? Um, it was today was actually a little chilly. It was in the it was in like the low seventies, high sixties. It was it was a little it was a little chilly. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> so let me let me give you a hint of what you're in for. Okay. Today okay. it was 25 degrees, mm-hmm. but there was an insane wind that any skinny, tiny girl here got blown out by the wind. Right? They couldn't stand their feet. Trees were almost falling over. And yeah, so Robert got like blown out by degrees. the wind. Hey, hey, hey. Let's be nice here. <laughs> yeah, so that's what you're in for. All right, once, once you get up to Massachusetts and you got to deal with this, well, it'll be about April-ish, so it won't be too bad. But hit me up. We'll take you to an LLB and get you an actual winter jacket. It sounds good. Dude, the wind's killer. You know, we we get some days down in the 40s and 30s. And, I mean, the cold, like, you can deal with it. It's just the wind that makes it so much worse, you mm-hmm. know, that cold wind. Man. So, I can only imagine 25 and gusting like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. That's for sure. But, but all I got to say is Tennessee is much better than Florida because <laughs> we get snow about twice a year. And it's gone within three days. So you get to sit there and enjoy the snow, and then boom, it's gone. Right? Yeah. We don't have to deal with the insane summers. Yes, it gets warm, but not nothing too, too crazy. And we don't have to deal with any Florida man stories. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I rest it's my case. The humidity, man. The, the humidity is killer. That's what makes the weather so bad here. But like I said, you get used to it, you know? You live here your whole life. I, I don't know how you do, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. So <laughs> and those Florida man stories, those, those are, uh, <laughs> those are something. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I love reading them. 
It, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. All right. Looks for some crazy headlines. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Gets you guys on the map, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. like Disney World already did that, but you know. Well, oh, of course it's going to make me upgrade. All right. Florida well, yeah. man trumps yeah. Disney World. <laughs> What's that? Florida man trumps Disney World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in uh, the Twitterverse with all the memes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twitter's a powerful thing. That, that's an understatement. So, um, I don't know. It might, it's going to kick us out in like 10 minutes. So I'm going to ask one more question. I'm, I'm really sorry because, of course, Zoom only does this to me when I have to do an interview. This is the second time <laughs> it's happened to me, and both times haven't been when I've just been doing regular shows, just during interviews. It gives me a 40-minute time. So I'll have to ask this question, then I'll have to turn it off and get you back on. But uh, well, So a couple days ago, you found out that you were traded to Boston. How did you find out that you were traded, and what was the news like to you once you got that shock? Well, I mean, I was actually, I had just got home from, uh, from my own throwing about to go to the gym. I come home, I was going to relax a little bit, play some PlayStation. And, uh, next thing you know, I get a phone call, unknown number declined, thought I was a telemarketer. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a Cubs guy come to find out. He texts me and said, Hey man, give me a call when you get a chance. So I call him back and, um, and he's like, hey, man, this is probably the last way you last thing you expected to hear on your Saturday. But uh, you're not a Cub anymore. So immediately, because of like how things are for the minor leaguers right now, I pooped myself. You know, I thought I was getting released. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, heart dropped. And then he, he and then he says you, you were traded to the Boston Red Sox. So I was like relieved, shocked. So many different like feelings like just came over me. I was like, holy crap. Thank God. So then, uh, yeah, so he, he told me that. He was like, thanks, man. You know, it was, it was a pleasure working with you. We love to hear. But, um, yeah, that someone from the Red Sox would be in contact shortly. Then, you know, hung up the phone. Two minutes later, the Red Sox tweeted it. And uh, so I called my agent, called a couple different people, told my parents. Twitter started blowing up. Jared Carabas started tweeting at me, which was, which was nuts. And it was actually funny because – when Twitter started going nuts, I like, I had to mute it because I was, you know, talking to family and talking to different people that I needed to talk to. My watch was constantly going nuts. So from all the notifications, so I had to mute Twitter and then people started uh, sending me screenshots of what, what Jared was saying at me. I'm like, okay, it's time to go back on Twitter. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta respond to this guy. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, yeah, it happened on a Saturday when I was just relaxing. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Man, you don't know how bad we got clickbaited with this news. <laughs> All right. And I, I know this is going to sound bad, and I apologize for it, but every headline was saying Bryant traded from Cubs to Red Sox. All right. And I, I don't know if you know this, but there's another Bryant on the Cubs that's very well known. And they're a selling team, so we got all excited. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, I saw I saw the responses, and I saw Jeff Passan's uh, tweet about the the uh, what is it the troll the mm-hmm. troll Jeff. I saw that, and I was like, oh man, and I saw all the different responses of everyone being ticked off about it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely imagine being in a you know a Red Sox. Red Sox fans' shoes and seeing Bryant to the Cubs and or Bryant to the Red Sox and freaking out. 
Yeah, we we did a little bit. That's, that's an <laughs> understatement. Like I was, um, I had a show. I run the show twice a week, so I always record on Saturdays and Tuesdays. On Saturday, I'm sitting here just looking up. Okay, what am I going to talk about for the show? And I just type in Red Sox news. That's the first thing that pop up. I'm like, oh my god, how did I not hear about this? I click the article and it says Zach Bryant, and I'm like, kidding. <laughs> but then I realized it was for Josh Sosich, and I'm like. If we would have somehow swindled Chris Bryant for Josh Sosich, that would have been a game changer. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nuts, for sure. But like I said, after looking at the stats and everything that you had, we got a well good we got a good return on our investment. <laughs> yeah, just seeing all the Red Sox fans being disappointed after that tweet, you know, I I just want to say I completely do not plan on disappointing anybody. You know, I have full faith in that. So hopefully uh, it might not be as exciting as a, as a Chris Bryant trade, but I definitely um, – I hope I don't disappoint anybody <laughs> further than they already were from, uh, <laughs> from some of the tweets about it. Yeah, exactly. And we will get, we'll get into that in just a second. I do have to end the call and the recording, and we'll get right back into the interview. All right. Now, so uh, we went into the uh, finding out about the trade to Boston. Now, sort of as for, like, the aftermath – of the trade so um have you been in communication with any any players since or have you uh reached out to anybody in the Sox organization in the days like since you've been traded i know it's only been a few days but i gotta ask uh, i have not um i've been meaning to reach out to uh alex arrow i don't know if you know the name he uh Sounds i played funny. with him in, in fond du lac in uh summer ball in the northwoods league Mm-hmm. Played with him a little bit. So I've been meaning to reach out to him. Uh, I'll probably do that after this podcast, actually. But other than that, no, not really. Okay. Um, I, I know you probably can't tell us this, but have you gotten any inkling on where you might be? No. Um, no, nothing. No. Uh, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's depending if, – if they do keep you in the same level, there's a guy who would be – Probably on the same team as you. His name is Brendan Zalucci. Good friend of the podcast, relief pitcher. Could he, this man can chug a ball. I'm pretty sure he's hit like 98, 99. Okay. With his fastball. Send, send him this because I know he's, he'll, he's one of the nicest guys. So he'll accept. Anyway, if you say, yo, I got traded, probably be on your team. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What was his name? Brendan Salucci. Okay. He yeah, played, mm-hmm. he played with Lowell. Last year, but or two years ago, but we don't have Lowell anymore, which is sad. They got rid of him. Was that the Spinners? Yep. Yeah, that's where Arrow was. Man, that was one of my <laughs> favorite teams because when when I was young, those were my first memories. Was in Lowell. It's where I grew up for the first couple years of my life. First memories, my dad taking me to Lowell Spinners games. Oh, sad to see that team go. Yeah, there's a lot of minor league teams getting banged, man. Kind of sucks. <laughs> sucks. Okay. I, I just I just gotta ask, have you seen the Worcester Woo Sox? No. No? Okay. Do do me a favor and after this podcast, look it up and just look at how bad the logo is. All okay. right. They they made an emoji and made it in a logo. <laughs> I'll, I'll check that out. It's it looks something. like a Kool-Aid man. It's <laughs> oh it's freaky. Nah, nah. It looks it looks more like if you've ever seen uh, Monsters Inc., take like a young Mike Wazowski, put two eyes on it, and that's the logo. Make them yellow too. Yes, and yellow. 
Jeez, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> you know, but, it's crazy. As as many, like, incredible minor league logos as there are, there's just as many terrible ones. Oh, you'll, Somewhere in the middle always. It's either a beautiful logo, like uh, when I was with the Emeralds. I loved their logo. I thought it was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, the, what, the Chihuahuas? Yes. Yeah, the Chihuahuas. I mean, it's either – it's either an incredible one or a terrible one. There's not like a, there's no normal there's no, like no in between or something like that. It's just, it's always something crazy. Mm-hmm. And this, this is coming from a diehard Red Sox fan. Like I told you, I go somewhat in depth on the minor league organizations as well. This might be the worst logo I've seen. That's <laughs> no, check it out. sad, <laughs> but you, you were telling us before we had to end the call that you hope to not disappoint Sox fans. So what can, Boston fans expect out of you as you climb through the Sox organization. Be honest with me. Uh, well, I can honestly say that the Red Sox are getting a completely version, completely different version of me than what the Cubs had. Really? Um, Cause like I was saying before, um, well, I, I don't want to say a completely different version, but a much, much, much improved version. Um, because like I said, I mean, when I was in Eugene, I was topping out like 93, 94, somewhere around there. And I mean, uh, I don't know how much of this I should be talking about, but I mean, just in my last bullpen, it was my second bullpen of getting back after it. And I wasn't even like going game intensity. It was just like normal bullpen intensity. And I was 90, I was sitting two to four, touched a five, which for me, like I was saying earlier, going to driveline, focusing on strength, focusing on all that stuff and improving mobility, explosiveness, all that sort of stuff. It's just now, I'm just now starting to put it all together and see the benefits of it. Um, so that's what leads me to say that the Red Sox are getting a completely better, new and improved version of me um, than, than what the Cubs had for sure. Man, we're we going to go new and improved from like a one two five ERA? I <laughs> like the sounds of that. I don't know about you, Adam, but that sounds something I'm fully on board for. <laughs> Pretty sexy, got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and trust me. Love to see it. I know, I know the fans out there right now are, are loving it too. Right, and trust me, us, us Boston fans, and this is, this is just a sneak peek. Right, and I know you've been a Boston fan too, so you kind of know this. Us Boston fans, we are very, very like, I wouldn't say picky, but we expect perfection. Oh, yeah. You know, play, playing in Boston, the minor leagues, I can't say for a fact, but especially in Boston, it is tough. Yeah. So we – we love the sound of that. That's yeah. That's great. Like I said, I don't I don't want to disappoint anyone. You know, that's that's definitely not in my uh, list of plans. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I want to I want to excel and exceed expectations by far. And and trust me, even after this podcast ends, you guys start the season. We, especially me, I'm gonna look a lot into your season, see how you're doing. You know, probably go to a game if they'll let us. I hope they'll let people actually go to minor league games. Yes, it's going to be weird pitching with no one there. Have you ever thought about that, like pitching with without fans? Because I'm I'm assuming even in minor league ball, you were still throwing in front of like hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, yeah, no. In Eugene, we had a pretty nice little fan base. We probably averaged. I mean, on on some of the lesser nights, there's probably only there was like a thousand. But I mean, we. Because we played at um, the University of Oregon's field. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice little stadium. And we, so we, we definitely packed the house a couple times. Um, 
rookie ball, of course, there's no one there. Yeah. But um, but Daytona State, there was never any fans. It was just a couple parents. So I, I pitched in front of no one, like, not having many fans before. But um, it's been a while for sure. Uh, but I, I'm the type of dude, like, I feed off the adrenaline. So just having a batter in there changes the game for me. That's why I was excited about the sitting two to four, topping out at 95 in mm-hmm. a bullpen because that's without a hitter, you know. Yeah. You put a hitter in there, the adrenaline goes up a little bit. And then plus you factor in a couple thousand fans, the adrenaline goes up even more. So, I mean, there's no telling what that number will be um, come season if, if fans are allowed. But I've put very little thought into it because I really hope that there's there's going to be fans allowed. Yeah. And if there are fans allowed, you can guarantee that us two are going to a game. Oh, totally. I know, <laughs> I know with pitchers, like, they'll, they'll probably end up putting you in either Salem – which is somewhat close to here, or Portland, which if you go into Maine, good luck to you. <laughs> Salem's so um, low A, right? Yes. Uh, is it low A or is it high A? I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's high A. I believe it's, it? I believe it's high A. Yeah, it's okay. high A. So, and Portland is – Low A is Greenville, I believe. Greenville, yep. Okay. Uh, I, in my head, I had it mixed up. I thought Greenville was high A. And Salem was low A. Yeah, they had switched it from last year. Lowell was high A. Greenville was low A. And Salem, I believe, was whatever levels below that. Okay, but so maybe I looked at something old if they just switched it. They bumped up Salem. Yeah, okay. but no matter what, we, we're going to do our best to go to a game. Hopefully, we can see you out there pitching. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. So, um, let me take this next one because I really like this question. You got the next right. one. So, like I told you before we started recording – we wanted to get to know the personable side of you also. When people think Zach Bryant, they think baseball player, obviously, but there's more to you. So tell me a little bit about yourself outside of baseball. Do you have any other hobbies or anything like that that you want people to know about Zach Bryant? Uh, like I was saying earlier, when I you know found the gym when I was in junior college, I really, really fell in love with that. I loved working out. Loved uh, just trying to better myself and my body, feel healthier, look healthier. Um, so definitely working out. So unlike most pitchers, I mean, most pitchers don't like the gym. I love the gym. Getting in there has never been a problem for me. Uh, so with my free time, you can pretty much, you can find me in the gym. Um, fishing, I haven't had much time to do it recently, especially mm-hmm. once I got into college. It, it kind of got hard to find time. Because a lot of the off days, you know, you just kind of want to relax and recover a little bit. But uh, especially in high school, man, any off day I was going. But mm-hmm. kind of I don't go nearly as often as I did. But fishing is definitely a passion of mine as well. Uh, other than that, I mean, pretty much just hanging out with friends, hanging out with people. Uh, I, I dabble in golf a little bit. I'm not very good, but I'm working on it. And I, that's a baseball player. Once you get into your, like, late 30s, early 40s, that's when you get good at golf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now it's just about seeing how far I can drive it. <laughs> Got any big fishing stories? I'm actually a big fisher myself, so. Me okay. too. I'm not, not good at it, but. Really. The, pretty much, like, the craziest thing I could talk about fishing-wise was, um, I'm sure you've heard of the mullet run. Mullet run. I, I've heard Sounds of it familiar. Before. You guys are up north, so you, there's not many mullet up there, but that's the bait fish, mm-hmm. the, the big-time bait fish down here in Florida. And, um, and when they go, they start running, they start migrating south. And so you get giant pods of mullet. And um, so one year I went to the Ponce and Jetty 
to fish the mullet run. And there's, I mean, millions of mullet just going insane. And the water's pretty clear there. So you could see it like in the waves, you could see the giant schools of mullet. You could see the, the holes in the pods of the, in, of the pods of the mullet um, with like sharks swimming. Cause they're obviously, you know, trying to avoid the sharks. Mm-hmm. So there's sharks, there's redfish, there's uh, barracuda following the schools. Oh. I mean, you could see it all clear as day, you know, cause the water was so clear. And um, I mean, there was probably a hundred, 200 people out there fishing just cause that's the craziest time of the year to fish. And uh, so I went out there with a buddy and we, we caught like two or three slot redfish. I mean, we, that alone made it a great day. And we're seeing guys after guys just reeling in big time red, snook, you name it, they were catching it. And uh, off in the distance in one of the waves, we see a giant silver flash and we're like, what in the world was that? We thought it was a shark because, you know, you see all the little, the little mullet, and they're, mm-hmm. they're putting off like little flashes, but we saw like a big one. So like, what in the world was that? So we started looking out there and it was probably, I mean, it had to have been a, a monstrosity of a tarpon just chilling out there. So that was seeing that big of a tarpon in person, just out there, like, you know, doing its thing. That was, that was pretty sick. I'll never forget that. But I mean, other than that, man, I don't have any crazy fishing stories. Just experiencing that is, is nuts. I mean, that's crazy enough. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Now, uh, so being in baseball, lots of superstitions. Um, so do you have any superstitions when it comes to you pitching? Not really. Uh, when I was younger, I had a couple. Um, pretty much my only thing is whatever undershirt I'm wearing. I'll pitch with that until I'm not doing good, and then I'll get a new one. Uh, so we're like the three-quarter sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not really. I just try to – so, like, say I do bad, I'll try to find a new routine. I'll stick to the stuff I know I need. But other than that, I'll stick to the – I'll get a new routine as far as times I'm doing stuff, the different stretches I'm doing and whatnot. And then if it works, if I do good, I just try to keep everything the same, you know. Um but as far as like a hardcore set in stone superstition, not really. I keep it pretty basic. I try to wear the same stuff if I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, when I, when I was playing, like I, I was a center fielder, but mm-hmm. whenever I whenever I'd go up to bat, right, I always had the same exact thing. Always same exact um, routine in the batter's box. Go up, have my batting stance same. My just everything routine the same. And, like, one of the pitchers I talked to, a guy in the Padres organization, right, he says, yeah, I always just eat some gummy bears before I get up and get loose. Like, why? He's like, I don't know. They taste good. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a reason enough. Superstition. Everyone's got their thing, man. Everyone's got their thing. So the the only thing you really, like, you just keep everything the same until it stops working. Pretty much. Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And then as soon as uh, as soon as it is broken, find a new routine. Mm-hmm. I got you. So we do got two more questions for you. Adam, take this next one for me. Okay. Is that is that me? Yeah, Adam. I said yeah, take my, the my next bad. one. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be. Uh, so, do you enjoy uh, playing ball down in Florida, or do you prefer up north more? I know this is very different, so. 
like I said before, I haven't, I haven't had to play much ball up north. Even when I was in Eugene, um, it, was, it was pretty warm. It was, uh, I think the coolest I got was probably in the 60s, which is just, you know, that's, that's comfortable weather. Um, throwing a hoodie and you're chilling, you know. Haven't had to pitch in extremely cold weather, but just from playing here so much, I'd, I'd probably much prefer pitching in Florida than anywhere else just because it's so easy to get warm and it's so easy to stay loose once you are warm. Uh, so, I mean, tightening up's never been, been a problem. So I, I definitely enjoy pitching in Florida. Mm-hmm. So like I said, whether you're in Salem, Portland, Greensville, doesn't matter, right? Let me tell you what it's like up here in New England. Let me give you a little warning. Come, come around April, you'll mainly, you'll show up to the ballpark. You'll still see some snow on the ground here and there because it's still cold even into like late April, early May, you'll still see some snow on the ground. It'll probably be, depending on game time, if you're playing at night, it'll be about 40, 45 degrees, somewhere around that area. So, you know, that's that's going to be probably the hardest thing to get used to is just trying to get warm when it's that cold outside. Yeah. yeah. I feel like once I'm used to it, I'll be fine, but it's just going to be a matter of getting used to it because I'm so conditioned to being down here. I actually, I can remember one time um, I took a bit of an impromptu um, trip to Indiana in the middle of the junior college season because mm-hmm. uh, I had to go up there for a funeral. And, uh, I mean, heck, it was like 18 degrees. So, you know, we're mid-season. I had to keep my arm in shape. And um, just trying to get loose in that, it, oh, dude, that was, that was rough. That was definitely pretty rough. I bet but, that cold. Damn. Looking back on it, I feel like – as long as you're able to, like, if you could go inside to do, like, whatever stretches or warm-ups you need to do, once you go outside, as long as the juices are flowing, I feel like it wouldn't be that that much of an issue. But um, if you have to get going outside, especially as a relief pitcher like I am, if, if I'm sitting there for five, six innings, and then they're like, yo, get hot, uh, that might be a, <laughs> a bit of a struggle. But um, I'll figure it out, you know. I, I'm not the first pitcher in that situation. Mm-hmm. I got, I got no doubts that you'll figure it out, but I know I said two questions, but I got one that, that I'm surprised I've never asked somebody up to this point. So with the minor leagues, obviously you lived in Florida, you're going up to a brand new place way far away from where you live. How does the minor leagues treat their, um, treat their players when it comes to like living situations and everything like that? How does that all work out? Well, with the, with the Cubs, it was never really a problem because um, when you go to Arizona for spring training or rookie ball, mm-hmm. you're set up in a hotel. And then it was the same deal when I was in Eugene. I mean, we were in a hotel. Um, so I, didn't, I, didn't ever, I never had to deal with the whole, like, finding an apartment and, you know, was the pay enough to pay for it? How much was I struggling? I never had to deal with that. So I, I really don't have too much of an answer for that question because I've always been uh, – from my experience so far, I've always been posted up in a hotel. So with, the, I mean, with that, it's, they, they treated us nicely. Mm-hmm. No, that, that was basically the answer that I was looking for. Cause I was like, whichever place you go to, do you have to like try and find a new house or new apartment or something like that? That's how it is at the upper levels. Um, it's not like, that's how it was with the Cubs. Once you in short season and rookie ball, you're in a hotel, but as soon as you get to low A, it's on you. And then every level after that, it's on you. So I don't know how, how if they like recommend places. I don't I don't know any of that. But um, with my situation, we were always handled pretty well. 
Jeez. I, I just got to say, that's nuts. Last they minute. Be like, yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that double A or high A in the Cubs organization ain't anywhere close to Eugene, Oregon. So they're going to be like, hey, congratulations. You got you got moved up. Now go find another place to live. And go fly, fly eight hours and uh, find an apartment. <laughs> Jeez. I could never <laughs> So before I say this last question, first of all, I want to say huge, huge thank you for coming on and spending the last like little under an hour or so with us because this, this has been awesome. You know, we all, I always love getting to meet new players in the organization, you know, and definitely want to keep in touch with you after once the season gets going and all that. But Adam, you got any more questions before I get into my final question? Um, yeah, just one uh, one last question. So I, I'm so Robert hosts a, a baseball show. Oh, I'm, I actually host a football show. Uh, so I got to ask, um, do you have any interest in football? Any teams that you root for at all? See, that's the one sport I've never really gotten into. Um, well, with, mm. with all sports, I'll kind of, I'll watch when it gets like down to the wire close to like, you know, the championship season playoffs, whatever. That's when I'll start watching like NBA football. It's, it's all the same. I start tuning in when it, when it really starts to matter. But as far as keeping it up with the whole season and who's playing for who, who's doing good. And I've never, I've never followed it that closely. I gotcha. I gotcha. So final question I got for you. And I asked this to every player I have on the show to get all the different answers to it. So Obviously, your road to where you where you are now hasn't been the easiest. You said you were in high school, weren't very recruited, went to junior college, then to D1, and now you're killing it in the – you killed it in low A for minor leagues, and God knows where your journey is going to take you with this Red Sox organization. What advice do you have to that high school player who's trying to get recruited by some colleges or that low-level college player that's trying to make it to the draft? What advice do you have for them? on their road through their baseball journey? For a high school guy, um, probably the biggest piece of advice is to fall in love with the weight room. Because probably, I mean, 99% of high school guys, they're not as strong as they should be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement, especially if you're going into college, you're going to be an 18-year-old going up against 21, 22-year-olds. You know, it's there's a big difference between an 18-year-old body and a 22-year-old body. So definitely try to pack on some weight, pack on some muscle and, you know, don't, don't think uh, the Juco routes frowned upon because that was kind of my mentality about it. But I just kind of took it because that was the only offer I had. And then, you know, once I got there and I experienced it, I, I try to push that to as many high schoolers that I talk to is it's, it's, it's totally different than D1. Like I, I wish I had more time at Jacksonville, but at the same time, it's, the, the time that I was at in JUCO was extremely valuable to me and, and really pivotal to me because you go to junior college, unless you were heavily, heavily recruited out of high school and you're extremely talented. One thing's for sure. You're going to have to work your tail off to go somewhere after that, which not only helps you in baseball, but you know, it helps you in real life too, because you're working towards something you want. So I think, junior college is a great thing because going into D1, chances are you're not going to start as a freshman. You know, you're not going to get as a lot of playing time. You go to a junior college, I mean, you're going to get tons of playing time, you know, and that's that ultimately that's how you get better because, I mean, throwing in a bullpen or hitting in the cage can only do so much. What, what it really happens is there's game-like reps. Um, 
that's what really gets people better. So I think the, the playing time that you'll get immediately going to a Juco is huge. So that would definitely be my advice. Lift, get big, get strong, look like an athlete, look like the dudes you're trying to face, look better than them should be your goal. Mm-hmm. And to not frown upon Juco. That, that's an awesome answer. And with that being said, I got no more questions. Adam, you got nothing else? Nothing else. Good luck. All right. So all ready for you. Yep. Thank, thanks so much for coming on and letting us ask you 20 questions and just go through that. That was an awesome interview. And we, we went through everything talking about fishing stories to Florida man to actual baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said to the fans, keep an eye out for this guy. All right. Keep it, keep tabs on him. Help me keep tabs on him. Watch him as he goes through this minor league journey with our Boston Red Sox organization. Thank you guys so much. Once again, thank you to Zach. We'll see you guys next time. Lay on the carpet, out of eye.